Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Say What You Mean podcast. Today, we're with Anthony Pirog, a guitarist I'm in a new band with called the Spellcasters. Washington DC here and one thing we were talking about as we were just sitting around here uh, talking music is that we both share a desire to operate in a lot of different musical worlds yeah. and I, it's something that I really like about your playing and so it's one of the things I want to talk about it's something that I think for most people happens naturally they're kind of born with this desire to explore right so how, how has it worked for you? How did you end up being the eclectic maverick that you are? I don't... Uh, I mean, it's hard to kind of remember everything, but it just came from enjoying... listening to all these different types of music. Um, it's not like I felt as though I should be a free improvising guitarist, but I really liked listening to the music, so... Um, when I go to New York, um, I'd go to Downtown Music Gallery and try to get whatever I could and figure out who was playing with who and who was who. I mean, it was pre-internet, so it was a little bit different, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it's just from the enjoyment that came from listening. So I liked listening to Derek Bailey in high school just as much as I like listening to rockabilly and surf and blues. And so... I just got excited by the sounds of a lot of different players. So that's one of the only times you're likely to hear the phrases Derek Bailey and Rockabilly <laughs> in the same sentence. Probably. So I'm going to issue you a challenge uh -oh. because you're, we're friends. I, I hope you'll, um, you'll take the challenge. Without thinking about it too much, put those two things together in a brief improvisation. Well, I think Hazel Atkins already did that, but... Uh, well, well um, <laughs> then this me, will be the follow-up, so... Instead of maybe kind of just going for it, I can show you something that I've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't done... Well, actually, it just popped up. I just did this... I told you I recorded a record with William Hooker. Yeah. And from the Danny Gatton stuff that we do together, and um, just kind of working on that stuff, the, the whole banjo lick thing. I was like, well, that's really cool, but okay, that's from something. It sounds like something. How can I kind of make that weirder? Mm -hmm. So I, I was trying to figure out ways um, to, with close intervals um, clusters, to try to use them. So if I do D, E flat, and E, I was doing stuff like... I never heard 
it, it made it onto that record. So I was excited and surprised. Oh, I actually, wow. My mind went there. But to do that, yeah, it's it, it would be terrible, Joel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think... That's why I was, it was close to Rockabilly, Derek Bailey. That this morning was really funny, and okay. I enjoyed that three seconds of music. <laughs> And, and I said, I the one thing I've never really understood about Danny and about that part of guitar history is rockabilly. I, I don't get the emotional content of it. It doesn't really appeal to me. And you were talking about how, to you, it was just a flavor of rock and roll that really turned you on as just a pure energy thing, much like punk. Yes, Um and I mean, the guitar playing is cool. Um, I remember I was talking to you about Bebop Alula or something. Um, so that was Cliff Gallup and Gene Vincent's band. And I really liked his playing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of rock, like you just said. It has the energy of what punk, I mean, has. Um, I really liked listening to Little Richard and the Sun stuff, Scotty Moore's guitar playing. I mean, it turned me on to the whole the, the hybrid picking thing. Um, so, I really like the solo in Bebop Alula. It's strangely melodic. There's a weird note right up at the top when he's going... It's not, it just sounds good. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. I just liked it as a teenager. And my dad was playing that stuff for as long as I can remember. So it sounded familiar. It was kind of exciting. Um, and yeah, you know, as I was getting into Charlie Christian stuff, it was, there were a lot of similarities. It was a more stripped down version of that with a different tone in my mind. Um, it makes total sense to me when you put it that way. Yeah. And you also have a slapback rhythm, which is so much a part of that sound, which yeah. is great. Danny Gatton in his video kind of broke it down. He said it needs to be like this third triplet. Um, so, so you're trying to get that swung. Yeah. That's not said exactly right, but that's basically yeah. how he would set it. So if you think of that basic tempo from rock and roll. Um, that's how you set the slap Play back. a little of the rhythm uh, stuff that you do with the slap back. Let's just hear a second of that. Sure. Well, there's like a mystery train. <laughs> the first
first kind of piece I worked on. I never tried to get it exact. I just wanted to get the idea um, together, get it in the ballpark. And I mean, that, that kind of playing led me to get into um, John Fahey. And I don't know. It's really fun. And I mean, with this sound, it's, I mean, it's like, it's I guess those guys are coming from the Chet Atkins kind of thing where there would be more feedback. Yeah. Um, but it just always, it didn't have to have like a, a really meaningful emotional message no, for me. Of course it just not. like felt good. It was fun. And it, like I told you too, when I was a teenager, there was a, some, there was kind of a swing revival thing happening in pop culture anyway. So mm. it wasn't like absolutely crazy. I mean, it was crazy, but it was a challenge. And, um, just going back and trying to understand where the rock stuff came from. So yeah, I made some connections and you're using, as you pointed out when we discussed banjo rolls earlier, you're using the pick with your thumb and first finger and then uh, the second and third finger of the right hand to yeah. pick. I've seen a lot of people do different things, um, but I always use all three fingers. And I, when I was at Berkeley, I was trying to come up with my own exercises to get some finger independence. And I mean... I just kind of do it. I don't, I haven't worked out exact parts and I'm not always hitting things the way I want to, but, um, yeah, I, I've seen people use the pick and then just the ring and middle. Um, it was kind of interesting when I was at, um, NYU cause they had a great music library. I could see Delta players play. Yeah. I remember trying to learn Robert Johnson stuff when I was a teenager and I had the book and I was treating it like a classical piece. But have you ever, like, I was watching some Delta guys and they only use their thumb and index finger. Yeah. Which made so much more sense. So you get that real primitive sound. Yeah. And then I guess people like the Reverend Gary Davis would probably throw in a middle finger. Yeah. Country blues. Right. Players. Um, but yeah, I just started using all three. And I wish I had, there's this, um. Do you know Gustavo Assis Brazil? No. He has three volumes of hybrid picking exercises um, and licks and stuff that I wish I had when I was younger because he really exhausts the kind of um, string skipping and finger combination and the number of notes you put into a pattern. So just the old permutations and all that stuff. Yeah. It's really, really good. So... You are also a fan of Jerry Donahue, who famously yes. uses the, thumb, the the pick and and fingers. And he has a thumb pick, yeah. And and uh, we were um, marveling at at some of his licks uh, last night. Do, do a couple of the string bending things that okay. that you've learned from him, okay, where so you you bend inner strings in a triad and I currently have my jazz master which is not the best instrument for this but I'll do my best yeah so a lot of his stuff is he uses what I call BNBs behind the nut bends right because that's how they're notated in the books but uh, Jim Campbell always is also doing this <laughs> things that he was doing this is one of my favorites this run I'm actually I used this in one of the tracks on the aesthetics record so it's just an open string thing this is the lick um, 
that's really cool. So you go, um, I guess it's like a five to one. <laughs> yeah, so one finger bend over two strings where I think you're, there are three individual bends. So you go up on the G with your index, you grab the B, which is at rest, and you release the D and pull the B up, and it goes into the five to one. But I, I haven't used this on a record yet, but I've been sitting on it for a while. Maybe it'll get on our, our record, but I kind of adapted it to... So that's using the third fret, right. so that kind of it's like an E7. So if people want to know what this looks like, go to the Jerry Donahue. He has an instructional video. Instructional video because he talks about You will be terrified yeah. by what and can be done with Yeah, you strings. won't know what to do uh, with everything that Jerry, Do Jerry Donahue has to offer, that's for sure. Yeah, but can I go over... Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. There's all these pedal of steel things that are so exciting to me. Like that, that's the basic one, but I'm making it a seventh chord. So what I try to do with that stuff is, um, instead of just like, you know, when you're learning country stuff, there's a D like. I would try to. Um, I never saw it in other keys, so I'm trying to move around like we do in more of a jazz approach. So when I learn this pedal steel type of like, I try to go up the string um, pair and see what would happen. tried to go through all the different keys and even like I w was pretty sure I was going to be doing very many pedal steel bends in A flat. I wanted to be ready. Yeah. Because <laughs> even for like a Phrygian. Yeah. Well, like me, I think you use some of this in your jazz playing, which I yes. don't think you put yourself out there playing jazz standards too much live, but you studied all that. Yeah, um, I really, I did, I mean, in school, and I was playing some gigs around DC when I got back, but um, I never built up a huge repertoire because I decided pretty early on I wanted to put my energy into writing when I had the time as opposed to learning uh, dozens and dozens of songs, so. Um, that's kind of been one of my main priorities. Um, but I mean, learning the theory, the theory that I got at Berkeley was incredible. The two years that I had to take the four semesters of theory really helped me kind of make sense of what I needed to in my own mind, even if I didn't know the exact terminology. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I always realized I'd get a reaction if I was playing a What is a standard that you are comfortable playing? And we're gonna we're gonna play country licks in a jazz context, and we're gonna try not to be self conscious about it. And and we haven't even discussed this. And no, we haven't. So we're gonna hope that um, that uh, that it sounds natural. Okay. Okay. One, two, a one, two, three.
taste of one of those pieces um uh, just a few seconds of you know some super crunchy <laughs> okay uh, uh sure doing so group. this is a song called serpent tongue and the idea with this was to um have an interesting rhythm that would be challenging for us so there's three measures of five and one measure of six over this kind of um, vamp. But I wanted to hide all that and make it kind of accessible to people by making it 
two note riff hmm. out of it. So that song goes. Shakti, that is another example of two phrases you rarely hear together <laughs> in one sentence. Um, but mixing with these kind of genres because of being into Danny Gatton at an early age wasn't that big a deal to me. It's not like jazz needed to be jazz. The other thing was I was buying Fred Frith records out of the jazz section at Tower. So in my mind, it wasn't like a huge, there wasn't a difference. Yeah. Just the terminology didn't mean that much to me but um Danny Gann would mix country jazz rockabilly blues and I mean Nels on his records mixes a bunch of stuff up even Frizzell I mean that was a big moment for me to hear the Palm Ocean trio and um just hear what textures can do I mean that was my favorite stuff so people that kind of it's not you can't really nail them down it's just a personality well, I think that's what's uh, interesting about this band is that it takes the rock aesthetic and stretches it out without it becoming a guitar hero thing. Like, yeah. you have a ton of technique, but the one show I saw, I didn't feel like that, that was the focus. It felt very much like a trio of equals. Well, where thank the you. Hot Licks was not. No, it's <laughs> the never point. been. I mean, I want to be a good guitarist, but it took me forever to get into technical guitar playing because the music that was written for it didn't yeah. really speak to me. Um, so again, I could just list the same guitars I just did, but I thought that they wrote really great music that I wanted to listen to. And then the solos served the music yeah. as opposed to, you know, like just having this be, this is going to be terrible. And all that, just kind of be the thing yeah um does that make any sense it totally makes sense so yeah it wasn't my priority i mean i don't even solo in some of the songs there's yeah. a song that called quantum path where i probably shouldn't list the influences but i mean it's just like i'm basically just playing again <laughs> other things that I want to mix together in here but I don't even solo in that song it's easy and fun and I can do it fast and I I used to when I was a kid I don't know about you I tried to shy away from those I, I didn't want oh yeah no but now I like wholeheartedly embrace them I mean yeah I mean love it fun is infectious <laughs> so that just is like I mean I usually have my whammy pedal on doubling the, up an octave so right. It's just, it was fun for me to write. It was fun for me to play with the guys, and it seems like people like it. It's kind of crazy to me that people are responding like this, but 
it's exciting too. Because yeah, I never really wanted to ever do this But I mean, I guess I ended up doing it. Um, but again, it was like I was trying to mix up. For this, I was trying to write this song that was based on cells almost. So I was like, what if Terry Riley, Lightning Bolt, and um, yeah, there's a couple of other things. Kind of had a band. That's the third time this morning. Terry, Riley, and Lightning Bolt. Well, we're sitting in front of my record collection. I don't know if there's a line in there. <laughs> wow, I like this. This is good. This is, this is why we're friends. Okay, yes. <laughs> listening and look for Anthony's band the Mesthetics coming to your town soon and look for our new group the Spellcatchers. <laughs>